is Christian Questions. Billy Graham once said, when wealth is lost, I thought you were wondering what happened to us, didn't you? <laughs> Let's uh, try it again. Billy Graham once said, when wealth is lost, nothing is lost. When health is lost, something is lost. When character is lost, all is lost. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Christian Questions Talk Radio with a Purpose with Jonathan and Rick. This isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience and promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. And Rick, that perspective is based on godly principles, family values, honest dialogue, all in a politically free zone. Jonathan, the best part is this. We talk and you listen, and then you talk and we listen. You can also contact us at our website, ChristianQuestions.net. I'm Rick. And I'm Jonathan. And we're glad you've chosen to spend some time with us on this fine Sunday morning. And Jonathan, we have quite a topic this morning. What is it? We sure do, Rick. The question this morning is, is the gospel your ticket to wealth? And our theme text is found in John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. And Jonathan, this past week's Powerball... Uh, jackpot was about $590 million, and I just read that somebody in Florida won. Whoa. And see, to many, Powerball represents a dream of carefree life full of travel, leisure, and luxury. For some Christians, the mere fact of their Christianity represents the same. As the prosperity gospel preaches that God does not, uh, does, I'm sorry, God does absolutely want you to live the good life to live with ease, to live with comfort. After all, God wants to bless you. So, is the gospel really our ticket to wealth? Does sowing the seeds of tithes and offerings reap a harvest of financial freedom? Stay with us. This should be interesting. Yes. (laughs) So, folks, we're going to be talking about... And I might add, probably stepping on some toes in terms of looking at the gospel. We can take a hard look, Jonathan. There's, it, you're, you're either you're in one camp or another on this thing. Right, okay. exactly. Either Rick. you're saying that, okay, you've got to get the money flowing so God can bless you and, and give you abundance, or you're saying, no, 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 that's not what Christianity is all about. You're either on one side or the other. There's a little bit of room in the middle, but, and we're definitely on one side of the issue. We are. And <laughs> if you haven't figured it out yet, you will very shortly. So... Let's talk to begin with about tithing. All right, where does tithing come from? That's that's the big thing because oftentimes in these in these uh, congregations they're talking about giving a tithe and a tithe is of course 10%. Yes. So to give 10% and how how does that work? Well, let's go to a um a commercial. A a commercial by a prosperity preacher. This is from a YouTube video uh, called Money Hungry Prosperity Preacher. So, you, again, you can kind of guess where we're coming from here. But just listen to this commercial about the gospel. What you do in the first of the year establishes and governs the rest. God places tremendous importance on the things that are placed first. So start 2008 in prayer, fasting, and by giving God your first fruits. Proverbs chapter 3 reminds us to honor the Lord with the first fruits of all our increase. So join Paula White and... 
Present to God your 2008 First Fruits Offering today. Many give a week's increase, others a day or a month, but everyone gives their best First Fruits Offering to God. Call our toll-free number on the screen right to Paula White Ministries. You may also click on PaulaWhite.org to send your First Fruits Offering online. Every First Fruits Offering will receive Paula's new revised and expanded edition of her book, First Fruits, From Promise to Provision, plus a time to draw near, a live worship experience with Paula, Dietrich Haddon, Gary Oliver, and more. So that's a commercial. That is a commercial, and that was from 2008, and uh, Paula White is the, is the pastor in that, uh, in that whole thing, and if you give your fruit, first fruits offering, she'll send you a book and so forth and so on. And look, Jonathan, there's a great principle about giving your first fruits to God. I, I have no problem with that. Matter of fact, I'm, I'm in favor of that. However, when you put it in this context that, okay, it's a new year, so your first week's paycheck or your first day's pay or your first month's pay really ought to go to God. Send it to Paula White so she can process it for you. I have a problem with that. Gotcha. Okay? Sure. I don't mind saying, okay, let's look at giving the best we have to God. I don't. I, that's a good thing. Sure it is. But what does that mean? That's the key. What does that mean? So, folks, we are looking at the prosperity gospel, and we're looking at it uh, hard. We're going to not mince any words on this. If you have a thought, you'd like to be part of the conversation, it's 866-985-4255, toll-free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And we want to hear what you have to say about today's topic. Post your comments on our Facebook page and our blog. Go to ChristianQuestions.com. All right, so let's look at the, the origination of tithes in the Old Testament. Because it's a fascinating account. We're not going to be able to read the whole thing. We're going to read excerpts from it. And folks, if you have your Bible, you do want to turn with us to Genesis chapter 14. We're going to be looking at verses 11 to 24, but we're going to be skipping around a little bit. This has to do with Abram, Abraham before his name was changed. Right. And it has to do with Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, at one point, Sodom and Gomorrah weren't all, all totally all evil. All bad. Right. right. <laughs> okay, so let's set the context. Sodom and Gomorrah had been raided, and word got back to Abram. Then they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their food supply and departed. They also took Lot, Abram's nephew, and his possessions and departed, for he was living in Sodom. Then a fugitive came and told Abram the Hebrew. So Abram's nephew, Lot, was taken prisoner with this raid on Sodom and Gomorrah. Right. And what was also taken was was all their stuff. Right. Okay. When Abram heard that his relative had been taken captive, he led out his trained men, born in his house, 318, and went in pursuit. He and his servants and defended them, okay, defeated so, them. I'm so sorry. he took his servants. Now, nobody said, uh, help me, Abram, help me. They, he just decided that this is my nephew, this is wrong, I'm going to take my men, 318 of them, and we're going to find these people. And we're, we're going right, to right or wrong. So he's, he's going out to, you know, he couldn't call the police at that time. <laughs> there was no 911. It was, a, it was, you see a wrong, you deal with the wrong. Right. Okay, what happens next? He brought back all the goods and also brought back his relative, Lot, with his possessions and also the women and the people. So he was successful. He goes out and he attacks the and attackers. Win. He wins. Right. And so he brings back... Everything that was stolen from them. Yes. So you're thinking, yeah, you know. He's the hero. He is. He's the hero of the day. And so what happens now after his return? Then after his return, the king of Sodom went out to meet him. 
And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Now he was a priest of God Most High. So you have two individuals going out to, to meet uh, Abram. Right, the king of Sodom. Who, who was just pillaged, and he's re- realizing Abram's actually you know, done a really great thing and brought sure. his people back. And then you have Melchizedek. Another king. Right. Now, he, he's a very unusual case. We won't get into a lot of detail on him, but uh, he's, a, he's a priest of the Most High God. You, that's really all you know about him. Mm-hmm. But he is very, as you'll see, incredibly well respected as a representative of God. So the king of Sodom and Melchizedek come out to meet Abram as he comes back victorious, having brought back all of the spoil of, of war, so to speak. And he gave him a tenth of all to Melchizedek, that is. Right. So Abram comes back and sees that Melchizedek is there, and he gives 10% of the goods to Melchizedek. Tithe. Mm-hmm. All right? There it is. Th- that's the very first tithe in the Bible. Then the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give the people to me and take the goods for yourself. So the king of Sodom is so glad to get his people back. He said, You know what, Abram? You deserve to keep all of the things that, that were stolen from us because you rescued my people. I'm so glad. See, now king of Sodom, good man. Yeah. He's saying, Very nice. I'm, I'm, I'm so happy, I'm so thankful that you did what you did. Keep the stuff. Showing his gratitude. Right, right. You deserve it. That's your reward. And just give, give us our, our people back. Now, Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have sworn to the Lord God most high, uh, possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take a thread or a sandal or anything that is yours. So Abram says, no, thank you. I'm not taking anything that is yours. I'm giving it all back. Right. So what, does it, what, what happens here? What can we learn from this first occurrence of tithing in the Bible? Because this is fascinating. Abram's tithe was not from his own goods, but from the goods of the land of Sodom. And you can tell that the king of Sodom didn't mind because he was willing to give up the rest of the goods. Oh, yeah. Okay. Exactly. So Abram didn't actually give anything of his own in this tithe. No, he didn't. In this gift. What else? These goods were what he won back in the battle. And they were the goods of Sodom. What else? Right. Melchizedek blessed Abraham, Abram and gave credit for the victory to God. And that's an important thing because that puts things in perspective. Sodom's king offered all the goods to Abram as a just reward for the rescue of his people. And it was a just reward. It he, was. He, he put himself in harm's way, and uh, Abram was, was due that reward in the eyes of the king of Sodom. But Abram refused and gave all the rest back to his rifle, their rightful owners. And finally... This tithe was a one-time offering that cost Abram nothing of his own goods. That's where tithing originates. That's the whole origination of how tithing works. Now, what does that mean now? There's a whole lot more that develops after that, but that gets us started. Jonathan, as we go through the program, we're going to unfold a story about a couple who got involved in the prosperity gospel. And we're just going to, through each segment, just tell a little bit more of their story of what happened, how they got involved, and what happened to them. Uh, and this was from a YouTube video called The Prosperity Gospel Ruined My Life. So let's listen to this introduction. We were a couple that wanted to have the American dream. So when the pastor started teaching about business and that God, God wants you prosperous and how to get wealth God's way, we were just, we were blown away. We were thinking like, Wow, so God wants us to be rich and have all these, you know, nice cars and a big house and vacation homes. I mean, both of us came from a background where uh, his family struggled, my family struggled, so we didn't have uh, 
we weren't used to having nice things. So to see people say that God bless them with these things if they would seek him first. Pretty interesting. Yeah. So they, 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 they have the American dream. They want to accumulate wealth. They just frankly do. Sure. They go to this particular church and this particular preacher says, hey, by the way, God wants you to be rich. He wants you to have houses and cars and things. And they're thinking, whoa, that's pretty cool. Because, that goes in line with our goals. Right. We wanted that anyway. And God wants to give those things to us. Let's get after worshiping God. Let's do that. Because, I mean, look, that's, if you ask me, that's like a win-win all the way around. That is. Okay, you, yeah. get, you get the best of this world, you get to be spiritual, you get the blessing of God. I mean, what more could be, there be if, if, if that's true? Ah, see now. And, and here's the phrase, God wants to bless you. And I agree with that statement. But what does God's blessing mean? That's the key, folks. What's it look like? Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And go to our website, ChristianQuestions.com, and check out CQ Rewind, the full edition. It's a, it's a sign-up, and it's a free service. You get an email uh, every week. And all of the program is in text, so you can listen to it while you read about it, and it's a great service. It really is. It really, truly is. we got some great volunteers working on that. Jonathan, one last scripture before we close this segment. The Law of the Jews introduced tithing for all the people, and this was something that belonged to them. This is in Leviticus 27:30. Uh, Thus, all the tithe of the land, of the seed of the land, or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. So all of the tithe, wherever you see the word tithe, you, you substitute 10%. Right, okay, that's, right. That's okay. what it literally okay. means. Gotcha. So the 10% of the seed of the land belongs to God. That's what we're saying. So tithes were to come from the land that God would give them, and those tithes would be considered holy before God. So it's a gift of the land. Right. Now, that land is the land of Canaan, which they were moving into, and it was already developed. That's right. That's so right. that's an interesting point as we look at this, but they were supposed to give the, a tenth of what the land gave them to God. So there is a very clear uh, scriptural principle that does say, hey, give 10%. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, is the gospel your ticket to wealth? Well, coming up, who received the tithes and why? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Is the Gospel Your Ticket to Wealth? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And Jonathan, we're looking at tithing and we're establishing the origination of tithing. Abram was the first one to give a tithe, uh, but it wasn't his, his own belongings. And then we're saying, okay, well, Israel was was required to give, required now to give tithes. From the land. From the land, mm-hmm. once they moved into Canaan. Well, who gets the, the goods? That's the question. Numbers 18, 20, and 21. Then the Lord said to Aaron, You shall have no inheritance in their land, nor own any portion among them. I am your portion and your inheritance among the sons of Israel. 
So to the sons of Levi, behold, I have given all the tithe in Israel for an inheritance in return for their service, which they perform, the service of the tent of meeting. So the tithe was given to the tribe of Levi. There were 12 tribes in Israel. Right. Levi was not given any physical inheritance in Canaan. Okay. And they were to be God in charge of worship for Israel. They had, they had a special special service right. for the Lord. So they were not supposed to be spending their time tilling the land and doing all of those things. They right. were supposed to be in charge of worship for the nation. And so God says, you are my special inheritance, and therefore I'm going to have everybody else support you because you have no way to support yourselves. Right. See, that's the key. You have no way to support yourselves. You have no land. And no time. On. Right. Because you are going to be busy with, uh, with, with, with me. Right. So that's why the tithe was put in place. Jonathan, let's go to the phones. All right. Well, we have Jim from Indiana. Good morning, Jim, and welcome to Christian sure. Questions. Uh, good morning, Jonathan. Good morning, Rick. How are you guys doing? We're doing well, sir. Thanks for calling. Hey, wonderful. I try to catch you guys just about every Sunday on the way to work. And, you know, this idea that, uh, that we can outgive God or that uh, he actually needs anything we have, um, is, is almost is almost comical. Um, I mean, God God doesn't want what we have other than our hearts and our minds and our and our souls and our every being, and, and we can never give enough to to give God what He deserves. And I mean, that's where the peace and joy comes. Whatever I give to God, whether it's my time, uh, you know, with youth, whether it's my time with, with serving other people, um, that's what He's wanting us to give. The, the money. Um, that's just coming out of faith and giving what we want to give, and as they say, to, to give hilariously. Um, he doesn't want us to give just to get something back. He wants us to give because of us being his love here on earth and showing that love to other people. Boy, Jim, you really nailed that one, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jim, thanks so much. We appreciate your thoughts. All right, you're welcome. Bye. Take Bye-bye. care. He, he did. He nailed it. It, it. It's a matter of what's in your heart to give. That's the key. What is in your heart to give? Well, there are preachers, and again, thanks, Jim, thanks so much for the call. Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. Go to our website at ChristianQuestions.com and become a Twitter follower to learn about upcoming programs and any new updates. Again, that's ChristianQuestions.com. All right. Lots of things go on at that website. It is an awesome website. I'm telling you, just awesome. And it's so awesome because I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> we have a volunteer army. <laughs> that's right. So, you know, you're looking at, okay, tithes come from the heart. Well, I'm, we're going to play now uh, a preacher who's he's probably well known to you. Creflo Dollar is his name, uh, and basically he is helping you to see his interpretation of how you should be thinking. So now Jim was telling us in his call, okay, it comes from the the abundance of your heart because we can't we can't we, we can't. There's nothing we can give to God that's going to give him like some kind of advantage. No. But here's Mr. Dollar uh, talking about how he thinks you should be thinking. Because we need supernatural help. Some of you need to get down and get a get some communion and take your bills and put them on the table and take your seed and put that seed aside and take the bills on one side and hold that cup up and hold that bread up and solicit the supernatural assistance of the Holy Spirit and sow that seed where God tells you to sow that seed. And you watch how God shows up. You have to do this if you're ever going to know if it works. This is the authority that we have been honored with. And if we execute this authority, 
It works. Do not try to allow your intellect to determine whether or not you'll do that. Your intellect won't agree with this. This blows the socket out of your intellect because this does not make sense. You're right. This does not make sense. So, so don't think. Just send the money. Right, because he's telling you this is the authority that we have been honored with. And, and I have got to ask the question, folks, look. Maybe some of you out there uh, believe in, in, in the tithing uh, approach and, and that God is going to grant you abundance in this life. And that, that's great. I would love to hear from you and explain to me how this works from a scriptural standpoint. 866-985-4255. Toll free 866-985-4ALL. Again, we're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 and that means we're on right now. And check out our website, ChristianQuestions.com. So, let, let's get back to this. So he says you put your bills on the table and you take the, the memorial, essentially, the bread and the cup, which – don't get me started yeah, on that. Yeah, let's not go okay, there. I'm not no, even going get, to get, get into that. He says you hold it up with your bills on the table and your offering, your, your tithe set aside saying, God, I'm giving you this and I got these bills get to pay. Take care of it. Take care of it. I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to. This is what he says is the authority that we've been honored with. And he says it doesn't make sense to not pay your bills – but to give the money to God instead. He's saying, don't try to think this through. Your intellect can't handle it. And I agree. Your intellect can't handle it. You, it can't. Okay? <laughs> Let's go back to Numbers 18, because there's a little bit more on, on the, the how tithes got started. Numbers 18, 25 to 30. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, You shall speak to the Levites, saying, When you receive from the Israelites the tithe that, 10%. that I have given you from them for your portion, you shall set it apart, an offering for it to the Lord, a tithe of the tithe. So the Levites, even though they had no land, no crops, no cattle, no anything, they were given 10% by all of Israel. Right. They were to take that 10%. And offer it to God. They were to say they're going to give a tenth of what they were given. Right. And they are offering that to God. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Thus you also shall set apart an offering to the Lord from all the tithes that you receive from the Israelites, and from them you shall give the Lord's offering to the priest Aaron. So that was to go to Aaron, the, the, the high priest. So there is, everybody is included in this giving. In this, and this is, very, this is very legalistic here. It is 10%. It is very, very specific, very, uh, very accounting-oriented. You've got, you got a lot of bean counters here. Because okay? <laughs> it's all from the land. You've got bean counters and cattle counters yeah. <laughs> and everything else. Um, and, and just finish up with verse 29. Out of all the gifts to you, you shall set apart every offering due to the Lord. The best of all of them is the part to be consecrated. Now that is interesting because if you notice when, when the, the, um, uh, the original tithe was mentioned for the people, it didn't say the best. It said, it said one-tenth. Right. But here for the Levites, it says you had better give God the best of what you've been given as gifts. Okay. So that's kind of an interesting twist it to is. the story here. It is. So Le Levites had to give the best tenth to the priesthood, Aaron and his sons. So everybody, Jonathan, is in involved I in giving. Now, let's go back to our story uh, about the, the young woman and, the, and her husband uh, getting involved in the prosperity gospel. This was a YouTube video, The Prosperity Gospel Ruined My Life. And remember, her initial reaction was, hey, we have the American dream. We want to become wealthy. And look, folks, there's nothing wrong with that. Okay, there's nothing wrong with, with, with wanting to, to have things. And, but the problem is she goes into a church, and in this church, the church is telling them, 
That's good because God wants you to be wealthy. He, don't, he wants you to have not only one house, but he wants you to have another house. He wants you to have cars. He wants you to have luxury. He wants you to live with great abundance because he wants to bless you. And so they're taking that idea spoken from the pulpit, spoken from those who are supposed to know, and they're applying it to their lives. So now let's see what happens. At that time, I viewed God as the source for everything I needed and wanted. That whatever I wanted out of life that was positive and good, that God wanted it for me as well. I guess that God was everything that I wanted Him to be. If I was going to sacrifice and do all these things, then God, was, God had things that He was going to give me in return. That is a key phrase. You can see the goodness of her heart and the innocence of accepting right. what she's hearing. Right, right. I, this is good because, and God became everything I wanted him to be. Interesting. Because I figured that these are the things that I want, and God is supposed to give them to me anyway, so this is what I want God to be. So God, pay attention. I'm giving you the, my agenda. That, that's really what it's boiling down to here. Right. And is that scriptural? Is that what a Christian life is supposed to be about? Accumulation of things because God wants to bless you. If you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And on our website, we have over 500 archive programs. Go to ChristianQuestions.com. Yeah, you might get tired of hearing Rick talk, but hey, <laughs> a lot of variety there, and that's the key. There's incredible variety, and, and we really love the fact that uh, so many people do avail themselves of that all over the world. It is really kind of a cool thing. So, so Jonathan, so far, the giving of tithes was limited. The giving of 10% was limited to the following conditions. What were they? They were of the increase from the land only, either of the harvest or cattle both of which grew because of the land. So it had to do with the land. And that's what the original command was. It has to do with the land. What else? And the tithes were given to those who had no land, um, but who served the people spiritually instead. So they were given to support those who were in, in full-time service to God. Mm -hmm. That's what it was for. Now, that's the thing. So you have this first tithe, this first 10% given to support the Levites. Yes. Okay, we already discussed that. But there are other tithes. Now, here's the interesting thing, Jonathan. This is really the main point here. This we, is cool. We have so many preachers telling us, give your 10%, give your 10%, give your 10%. Right. How come they don't talk about the other tithes that were required of Israel? That's interesting. Did they forget those? Do those not count? Are those not as good a part of the scripture as the others? I mean, hmm. and, and let's look at that. This is, this is from Deuteronomy 14, uh, 27 to 29, actually 14, 23 to 29. And uh, check out CQ Rewind, the full edition. We'll have all of that for you in the bonus material. You can sign up for that at ChristianQuestions.com. It's a free service. There is no obligation. It gives you the program. It gives you the text of the program. It gives you graphics and illustration. And it gives you something to work off of. All the scriptures are quoted out fully. And there's lots of stuff in there that we don't even have time to talk about. Right. So it's a free service. ChristianQuestions.com. Freely we have received. Freely, freely give. we give. That's the point. That's what this is about. So the tithe, there's another tithe. The tithe to be used by the tither to be able to worship the Lord throughout the year. That's in Deuteronomy 14.23. We're not going to read it. But what it says is that you are, you are wanting to go once a year and go up to worship God. So God is saying in his commands, I want you to put 10% of all of the, the increase of the land aside 
You've heard of emergency fund? Sure. This is a worship fund. Oh, cool. Okay. okay. All right. I, I want you to do that so you can go and worship the Lord each year. This is what I want you to do. This is what Israel was required to do once they moved into Canaan. How come nobody talks about that? I don't know. That's the second tithe. There's a third tithe. And you're saying, well, gee, you know, aren't they, are they going to have anything left? Why aren't they going to talk about this one? Well, okay. And what's this tithe? Uh, this is once every three years okay. from Deuteronomy 14, 27 through 29. And there were four different things that this every three-year tithe was supposed to be used for. There's four different things. All right. The first is Levites in your hometown. Okay. So the Levites in your hometown are not necessarily going to be privy to the things that are happening in, in central headquarters. Right. Okay. <laughs> so they need to be supported because they have no means of supporting themselves. And Jonathan, I can't stress that enough. They have no means of supporting themselves. Right. So you must support them because they are working for you to in- enable you to better worship God. Right. Because they have no means of supporting themselves. The second point, Rick, is very important. Strangers in your hometown. That's what the tithe is for. So people who are not Jews that live amongst you that, may, that don't own any land and are struggling. Yep. You, what, Help them. You want to be able to say, hey... You're living in our country. I'm going to give a handout to you. I mean, do we ever hear about this? I don't really hear about it. Every third year this was supposed to happen again. This is in Deuteronomy 14. The third point, Rick, fatherless or orphans in your hometown. The tithe uh, is for them. So those who cannot take care of themselves... You are supposed to take care of. Right. Now, this is Israel. This is Israel in the land of Canaan. They've inherited the land, and this is what they're supposed to do by law. Now, there's a big difference, Jonathan, between Israel by law and Christianity by faith. We're going to get into that in a few minutes. And then the last one. The fourth point, the widows in your hometown, you need to take care of them. Because they are at a disadvantage in oh, terms yes. of taking care of the land and so forth and Absolutely. so on. Absolutely. So you have all of this this technicality. So if you're going to say, well, we should all be tithing and you should be paying your tithes to the church and bring them into the storehouse and all of that, how come they don't finish explaining what tithing was about in to the Old Testament? To take care of the poor. Right. To take care of the fatherless, to take care of the poor, to take care of the strangers, and to take care of the Levites in your hometown. All of these tithes, every one of them, was based on the land. Not money, based on the land. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Is the Gospel Your Ticket to Wealth? Coming up, since God uh, commanded us to tithe, what should we give? Should we give cattle, money, wheat? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Is the Gospel Your Ticket to Wealth? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now on our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And here, here's the thing, Jonathan. At the end of the last break, and, and you may have just phrased it a little bit incorrectly, you said God commands us to, die, to tithe. What does he command us to do? And does God command us to tithe? Now, he commanded tithing. He commanded giving the 10%. But the question is, who is supposed to give the 10%? And what are they supposed to give? 
this is big because, okay, who and what? Well, let's take a look because here's the fact of the matter, Jonathan. The fact of the matter is you cannot find a place in the entire Bible where a tithe was ever anything but harvest or cattle. It was always from the land. That's it. It was never, never money. Interesting. Never was it money under any circumstances. Let's look at Second Chronicles 31, 5 and 6. And as soon as the commandment came abroad, the children of Israel brought in abundance the first fruits of corn and wine and oil and honey and all the increase of the field and the tithe of all things brought they in abundantly. And concerning the children of Israel and Judah that dwell in the cities of Judah, they also brought in the tithe of oxen and sheep and the tithe of holy things which were consecrated unto the Lord their God and laid them by heaps. So all of this was brought in and it was all stuff. It was never money. And some have said, well, you know, they didn't use money back then. Oh, yes, they did. They did indeed. Back in Abraham's time. Back in Abraham's time, they were talking about values of property being worth 400 shekels. So That's right. Don't, don't, don't say that there was no money. There, there, was, there was money, but the tithe always had to do with the land. Always. And it was because the land was a gift to them. The land of Canaan. This was the land of promise that they were given. And God said, I'm going to give you this land, and you're going to inherit this land, and I want you to give me the first 10% back to support those who are helping you to worship me because this is the way I want to set up a physical nation. Christianity is a spiritual nation. Very different. It is incredibly, it's, it's night and day. It's, it's black and white. It's old and new. It's just incredibly different. Never money. Now, with that in mind, I want you to hear this. This one will knock your socks off. This is uh, Pastor Bill Winston talking about wealth transfer. Just listen to this. Folks, we're in the combat zone. Yeah. Not only are we going to get the wealth, we're going to strip it. Meaning that leave them with none of it, that the church going to have all of it. We're going to be in control of the financial system of this earth. Praise God. That came from the Holy Ghost. That came from the Holy Ghost. We are going to be in control of the financial system of the earth. We are going to be in control of the financial system of the earth. We are going to be in control of the money supply. Wow. So there you have it. What he's saying is not only are we going to get the wealth, we're going to strip it. They're not going to be left with anything. We are going to be in control of the financial system of the earth. That came from the Holy Ghost. I hate to tell you, brother, but it did not. Because there is no scripture. There is no, 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 no biblical principle that tells us to be seeking after those things as Christians. Wow. And folks, if you think there is, I would we'd just love to hear from you. 866-985-4255. Toll free. 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And the conversation continues next hour online and all through the week. Christian Questions is live Sunday mornings and on demand with tons of topics to talk about featured in our audio archive, CQ Rewind, Facebook, and our blog. Go to ChristianQuestions.com. Now, here, here, as we look at this now, you've got it, we, we've been focusing on the Old Testament. Well, here, let's get into the New Testament a little bit, little bit here and may, want to make a statement clear, straightforward. Jesus did not teach tithing for the Christian. He did not. 
And in the second hour especially, we're really going to lay that out. And oh, yeah. It, it becomes incredibly obvious that he did not teach tithing for, the, for those uh, following after him. Let's look at another New Testament text that confirms that Jesus could not have perpetuated such a ritual. And that's Hebrews 7, uh, 11 to 14. Now, if perfection has been attainable through the Levitical priesthood, for the people received the law under the priesthood, what further need would there have been to speak of another priest arising according to the order of Melchizedek, rather rather than one according to the order of Aaron. So this is important because Jesus is saying that the order of Melchizedek ends up superseding the order of Aaron and the priesthood. Right. That's the order of the Jewish nation's priesthood. So he's saying there's another priesthood that operates on a different level. Higher level. Right. Continue. For when there is a change in the priesthood, there is necessarily a change in the law as well. Now the one of whom these things are spoken belong to another tribe, for which no one has ever served at that altar. Now that is enormous. No, it's not enormous. It's ginormous. (laughs) This is ginormous because it's saying, who did the tithes in Israel go to? The tribe of Levi. Right. This is saying that the the one who is of the order of Melchizedek, that's Jesus, is not of the tribe of Levi. He's of the tribe of Judah. Right. So you can't possibly follow the old law because the law said very specifically the, the tithes go to Levites. This is saying Jesus is of the tribe of Judah. It's a different law, a different way, a different time, a different method. This is... <laughs> Okay, Okay, here we go. The the inability of the law and the priesthood due to sin to bring the people to God caused a change. Okay, Now there would be a new high priest and a new priesthood. This is different because it comes from a different place. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you were not a people... But now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So here you have the sense that this is entirely different. I mean, are you getting the sense that it's different? Totally. (laughs) Because there is no provision in the law for this thing with Melchizedek, is there? No. So when you're taking the concept of tithing, and it was entirely scripturally always tied to the law of Israel. Always tied to the law of Israel. And Jesus is basically, well, Jesus isn't saying these particular words, but the, the apostles after him are. They're saying that he is of the tribe of Judah. It's a new priesthood, a new time, a new rule. So you say, okay, there's a new rule. What are we supposed to do? The question is, does Jesus ever tell us to tithe to the new priesthood? I don't know of any place that it does. And in the second hour, we're going to go over that. So folks, if we're not on in your area for the second hour, go to ChristianQuestions.com, click the Listen Live button, and stay with us because the conversation continues and it only gets better. I'm telling you, ChristianQuestions.com, the Listen Live button. All right, so you have this chosen race, this royal priesthood called out of darkness into his marvelous light because a lot of these people were Gentiles. That's right. Okay, so they didn't have Jewish background. And they weren't used to giving tithes. Right, and we're going we're gonna to touch on that in a big way in just a moment here because that is another enormous part of this thing. Uh, let, let's look at John 14, 2 and 3 because the question you have to ask yourself is, okay, if this is a new priesthood, then well, what kind of inheritance were, were, inheritance were they given? Because the Levites, remember, didn't have an inheritance in, inheritance in the land. That's right, because they couldn't work. But they lived off of what the people gave them so they could serve God. Right. Well, what kind of inheritance does this new priesthood have? 
In my father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that, that where I am, there you will be also. So Jesus is saying to his followers, now listen carefully here, he's saying, okay, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to prepare a place for you, and then while I'm gone, I want you to accumulate as much wealth as you possibly can no, here on re- earth. No, that didn't, wait, wait, it didn't wait. say that. I want you to have cars and no, houses. No. He's, <laughs> he's, he's offering a spiritual blessing. With him in heaven. So, so, <laughs> That's what so I'm there's getting. Nothing, there's nothing in Jesus' own words here, specifically here in this scripture in John, about, hey, a gathering up a whole bunch of stuff. No. Nothing about that. So that is a very important part of this because we're, we're looking at the tithes and the offerings and saying, okay, how does all that work with Christianity? And are we supposed to just mirror what the Old Testament law did? And so far, what we're seeing from the New Testament is, no, you're not. No. You're supposed to take the principles of the Old Testament law. The spirit of the law. Because they were good principles, and you're supposed to apply them to your lives. How do you do that? In the second hour, we're going to really get into all of that. I want to just quickly here, before our time is up for this hour, uh, go back to the the, the woman talking about how the prosperity gospel really messed up her life. You know, the next step is, okay, you know, God wants us to be wealthy. Cool, let's, let's get on with it. Um, they, they really stressed uh, tithes and offerings a lot. I mean, it, it made us afraid, so we, we started giving money. I mean, even when we were going, I mean, we would give money and then our, we'd look at our account and we had overdrawn our account. But, I mean, we just felt like if we didn't do this, that God was going to curse us and we weren't going to get all these things that we wanted to have. It was it was scary. That's disturbing. That is. That is that, to me. That's 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 more disturbing than than the the previous pastor that says we're going to take over the financial system of the earth. That's disturbing in its own right. But this is more disturbing to me because it's a person dealing with that personal aspect of I can't pay my bills, but if I don't give my tithe and offering, then God's going to curse me. There's a fear factor there. Right. Right. And so they allow they bounce checks. Because they didn't have enough money to be able to pay their bills, and they were afraid not to give God his due. Folks, is that the God of the New Testament that you love and serve? Is it? I ask you. So, Jonathan, the core point of the Old Testament, and folks, if you have a thought, uh, we'll, we'll put you over in the second hour. It's 866-985-4255, toll-free, 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. The core point of the Old Testament tithing was the land of Israel. We said that about, oh, I don't know, 100 times, mm-hmm. uh, that God had given to his people. This is no longer part of the conversation. It's not about the land anymore. Did you ever notice? What does Jesus say? The, the Son of Man has not a, pl- a place to, to, to rest his head. Right. It wasn't about land. It wasn't about physical inheritance. It was about something much bigger, something much broader. And, 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 and the, those following him were seeing that there's a, it's a different level of thinking. That's right. And Rick, there are many Gentiles being converted in droves at this time. So if tithing were a New Testament command or a continuation, then what were those Gentiles being brought into? Well, See, if they're being brought in in droves... Yeah, well, Rick, they're pagan and they have no sense of the Jewish law, including tithing. So if, in fact, tithing is a New Testament thing, and folks, pay close attention to this, if it was supposed to be a New Testament thing, you had a large majority 
of Christianity developed from Gentile nations. They didn't know the Jewish law. No. They weren't steeped in this giving 10% because of the land. They were there to just uh, follow after Christ. That's right. So why isn't the New Testament harping on that to teach these newcomers? And Rick, this caused many major conflicts, especially concerning the rituals of the law relating to the Gentiles. Right. Remember, circumcision was a big thing. Yeah. You yeah. Know, and, and eating meat offered to idols was right. a big thing. And, and those were things. Now, what about the conference in Acts? Well, the most major conflicts uh, were brought out, but nev- never about tithing. That was never mentioned at the conference. So they had this big conference in Acts chapter 15 where they said, okay, we're going to air out our differences. We're going to air them out. And when they laid them on the table and tithing did not even come up. Not once. Now, what does that tell you? If tithing is not continually taught in the New Testament, it didn't come up when you have the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians discussing their differences. Doesn't that tell you it doesn't belong? Gentiles had never tithed and were not because they weren't asked ever to tithe. And that's the key. They were never asked to tithe. So it gives you a sense that because they weren't asked, it wasn't brought up. Folks, it's a simple equation when you look at it. And what we need to do is understand the Old Testament and the principles of the Old Testament and then look at the New Testament and see how we apply the principles of the Old Testament to the New Testament without crossing over and become very legalistic because the New Testament is not built on being legalistic. It's built on serving God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength. For Jonathan and Rick, it's Christian Questions. We'll be back after the news and all that and continue this conversation. Uh, check us out on Facebook. Like us on Facebook. Check us out on Twitter. Email me at rick at christianquestions.net. And stay with us. Go to the website. Click Listen Live if we're not on in your area. For Jonathan and Rick, is the gospel your ticket to wealth? We'll be back soon. Think about it. is Christian Questions. Epictetus once said, Wealth consists not in having great possessions, but in having few wants. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to Christian Questions Talk Radio with your breakfast with Jonathan and Rick. This isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience, and we promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different Perspective And Jonathan, what is that topic this morning? Well, Rick, our question is, is the gospel your ticket to wealth? And our theme text comes from John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So there you have a scripture that talks about Jesus saying, hey, I want you to have life abundantly. What does that mean? That's the question. What does that mean? What does it have to do with tithing, as is mentioned in the Old Testament? And we spent a lot of time looking at the Old Testament uh, this morning, in the first hour, Jonathan, looking at how tithing works in the Old Testament. And there's lots of tithes. There's not just that one. Oh, you're right. There's a, a one-year tithe and a every three-year tithe besides. Right, right. There's four altogether yeah. to take care of those who cannot take care of themselves. Oh, it was for what? Say that again. To take care of those who could not take care of themselves. Interesting. And which means that those who were poor and without were not required to give. How isn't about that? that nice? Yeah, well, isn't that just? Isn't that yes. merciful? Yes. Isn't that honest? 
That's what the Old Testament did. Now the question is, are we supposed to take the literal 10% from the Old Testament and transfer it to the New Testament? And the question for this segment is, did Jesus teach us to tithe? Did Jesus say, thou shalt tithe and be blessed of God? Or, or something like that. Let's find out. All right. Mark chapter 12, verses 41 to 44. And folks, listen, if you have a thought, like to join the conversation, it's 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. And you know what that means? means we're on right now. That's what it means. And stay connected to Rick and I at ChristianQuestions.net, no matter the day or time. All right. Mark 12, four, uh, 41 to 44. And he sat down opposite the treasury, he being Jesus, and began observing how the people were putting money into the treasury, and many rich people were putting in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which amount to a cent. Calling his disciples to him, he said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the the contributors to the treasury, for they all put in out of their surplus, but she out of her poverty, put in all she owned, all she had to live on. So Jesus is is looking at this example and saying, it's not about the amount of dollars and cents, it's about the heart behind the giving. Yes. That's what he's saying. He's saying she gave them more because what she gave them was essentially worthless. But it, it 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 was all she had and she wanted to be supportive. So she chose to give that money. That's an important aspect here. Um, uh, you know what, Jonathan? Let's do this. Let, let's actually go to the phones first, and then okay. we want to go to another uh, one of the uh, prosperity preachers. All right. Well, we have Julius from Connecticut. Good morning, Julius, and welcome to Christian Questions. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Thank you for taking my call. I love a Bible study. Well, you came to the right place. Incidentally, I never heard you ask for a nickel. Uh, that's right. Yeah, that, that's unique in our day, isn't it? Well, freely we have received, freely give. Ah, praise God together. No, uh, uh, I'm delighted, you know, uh, uh, one of my uh, pleasures is to uh, be challenged, not, being clueless about what your topic's going to be. Wouldn't you know, I was thinking along the same lines oh, good. of this topic this morning because of the lotto, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh uh the uh the the aspect of uh uh giving receiving and uh, what is well I, I like Jim's call earlier remember Jim Yes well, what could we give God you know uh, Romans 11 30 chapter 11 verses 34 35 thereabouts uh, mentions about uh can we give God a gift and is he obligated to give <laughs> give one in return God does not need us I I like that thought by Jim this morning Yeah uh, you mentioned a saying a little while ago that's almost the same thing that I wanted to share with you. I think the tithing, uh, if I may mention the tithing, is a fascinating study. I, I, what a great point you made that money is never mentioned, isn't it? Right, never. That's that's a great point. And finally, uh, yeah, you, the saying you said a little while ago, uh, the rich man is not one who has the most, but one who needs the least. God bless Thank you, Joyce. Appreciate you. your call. And, and very, very good point. And and the one of the points we're going to get to later on is godliness with contentment is great gain. And and that's yes. really what this is all about is is seeing things in the right and proper perspective. And one other Old Testament uh, tidbit, if you will, in terms of tithe, remember we said tithing was never money. Yes. Remember the worship fund. 
Yes. Okay. Well, here's what here's what they were instructed to do. If you set up set your ten percent aside, but you have a long way to journey mm-hmm. to go to Jerusalem to worship, what they said is, okay, you've set the goods aside, sell the goods, take the money, use it to finance your trip to go to Jerusalem, and then go there and buy the goods to live on. How about that? So it was always it was always about the goods. It was always about the land. So it was never about tithing money. Excellent. It's just money was something to be used by them. Let's go back to another sound by Jonathan. Uh, this is another, um, another, this is Benny Hinn, actually. And he's talking about giving, and as you give, you can actually preach the gospel. The only people anywhere who can preach the gospel are those who've been saved. Think about the judgment of God on those who will reject this privilege. Think, that's why Paul said, woe is me if I preach not the gospel. The greatest privilege we have been given is the preaching of the gospel. And when we sow seed, when you give to God TV, you are preaching the gospel. Look, look, you may not be the one going around the world like I'm doing or Bonky, my friend, is doing. Maybe God hasn't called you to go out there and preach to the multitudes, but every time you sow that seed, every time you give, you are preaching. So it's very interesting because the, the, the phraseology, the, the key words they talk about, they don't talk about dollars and cents, do they? No. They always talk about sowing the seed. And sowing the seed just happens to be land-related. It does. But they don't mean land-related. They no. mean money. They and send us money so that you get credit for my preaching. Right. And, and look, I can understand those who want to give because they don't have the same opportunity as somebody else. Right. And so they say, here, I can't do what you do, but I can help you do what you do. I, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. But here, he's talking about not, he's not talking about dollars and cents. He's talking about sowing the seeds. And to me, th- that's just dishonest. Okay, that's dishonest because you're mixing pictures, and if you're asking for money, say you're asking for money. Yep. Okay, and that's what he is. And he says, when you give to God TV, that's his network, you are then sowing or uh, preaching the gospel. And he's saying, God's judgment on those who reject the privilege is pretty severe, so you better give so you can preach. Gotcha. So there's a little bit of guilt going on there. There is. Let's go to the phones. All right, well, we have Randall from Connecticut. Good morning, Randall. Welcome to the program. Good morning. Happy Sunday, guys. To you, too. We have Psalm 112, 1 through 3. Happy are those who fear the Lord. Wealth and riches shall be in their homes. People can seize on to tithing, tithing as a magic formula because people were afraid of money. We're afraid we won't have enough, and we're also afraid that you need to be poor to be holy. Christians can be free of fear. 1 Kings seventeen thirteen. Do not be afraid, Elijah said. First bake me a little cake then you can prepare something for yourself and your son. The Christian need not fear work, because we do not work for our boss, our company, or even our family. We do our daily duty for Jesus, and working perfect for him can lead to success. We need not fear risk, because we answer to Jesus. We are not afraid to ask for a just raise to tell our spouse we need to coupon or call a creditor and ask for a just deal. And the Christian need not fear opportunity, because all roads lead to him and all paths lead to him. We can look for a better job, a different way of looking at things, and at, confidently ask for new blessings from Jesus. Randall, thanks so much. Mark 8-6. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Mark 8-6. Then, then breaking the seven loaves 
ask, he gave thanks and gave them to his disciples to distribute. Good job, Randall. Thank you so much. Take care. Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll-free, 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And go to our website, ChristianQuestions.com, and check out CQ Rewind, the full edition, and see all of the program and complete text. And you can listen li- uh, listen to the archive while you're reading uh, the information, and it's a great Bible study. So Randall talked about you know not being afraid. That last soundbite we played from the from the woman who's you know getting involved in the prosperity gospel said she was afraid not to. That's tie. right. That's right. So Randall really counteracted that with all of those scriptures and, and those, those thoughts. Those will be in um, the Seeker Rewind. Uh, Jonathan Luke nine fifty seven to fifty nine. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, "I will follow you wherever you go." And Jesus said to him. The foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. So Jesus didn't have a private jet? Uh, uh, no. No, he didn't. No. He didn't own a big home? No. He didn't have a mansion? Mm-mm. Okay, except in heaven. And he wasn't there in heaven at the time, was he? No, he wasn't. He was here with nothing. And when someone said to him, I'll follow you wherever you go, he basically said, it's going to cost you. Because I, have, I don't even know where I'm spending the night tomorrow. Right. So... If you're willing to follow me, good. But that's the cost. So the blessing is not in what you're getting. The blessing is in what you're giving. Those are the, that's the thought of Jesus uh, on, on this whole matter here. Uh, let's go back to the, uh, to, to the woman and her husband. Uh, as they start to, remember in the last soundbite, they were afraid to not tithe. That's right. And the, their bank account uh, ran bow- dry. Yeah, yeah, it ran dry. Their now, checks were bouncing. Now let's see what happens. We have this book where we put all of our dreams and we would have these, these things that we would recite every day. Me and my husband would hold hands and we would recite these things like, we believe that we have this money and we can feel it in our hands. We are now awaiting a plan from God by which to accumulate this money and when we receive that plan, we will follow it. But it seems more like we were trying to speak them, speak them into existence more than we were getting God's guidance on if this was uh, His will. You can see how in recounting her experience, she becomes very profound in her observations of her own life. She does. You can, she says, it seemed like we were trying to speak them into existence more than getting God's guidance. We had our objective. We had our thoughts. We put them before God and said, here, God, this is what we're waiting for. We can even feel the money in our hands. We're waiting for you, the plan to come from you. you know, and they would check you know, FedEx and UPS every day, but no plan would arrive. Well, the reason she did this is this is the advice she's getting from the preacher. Right, right. And it was wrong advice, because that's not what Christianity is about. Jonathan, Jesus does mention tithing in the New Testament. Okay. He does. In Matthew twenty-three, twenty-three. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. So he's saying, okay, you're supposed to give your tithes. That's what he said. But. What do you mean, but? But. (laughs) What about justice, mercy, and faithfulness? Well, true, true. But he did say you're supposed to give your tithes. Right. Well, they were Jewish. Aha. Now, did they want to be Christian? No. No. Okay. These were these were these were the Pharisees. These were the ones who were opposing Jesus. Exactly. So he's saying, yes, you are supposed to give your tithes. Why? Because that's what's required of you in the law. By the 
law. Yes. And don't forget the weightier matters of the law, the compassion of heart. Yes. So he's saying, yes, if you are a Jew, you are supposed to tithe. We don't have time to read it, but in Luke 18, 10 to 14, he tells the story of two men who went up to pray, the Pharisee and the sinner. Mm-hmm, and the Pharisee mm-hmm. says, I'm so glad I'm not like that guy. <laughs> yeah. I give one-tenth of all I get, and I'm such a good guy, and I fast twice a week. And Jesus is saying, tithing, is, and here's the thing, tithing is not bringing you to the kingdom. It's your heart attitude. So, folks, if you are in a church that's saying, hey, you got to tithe or else, you got to look at these scriptures and say, wait a minute, that's not what Jesus said. And am I going to listen to what Jesus said, or am I going to listen to my preacher? This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, is the gospel your ticket to wealth? Coming up, can Old Testament tithing instructions apply to Christianity, or does it have nothing to do with it? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Is the Gospel Your Ticket to Wealth? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And uh, when you talk about Ticket to Wealth and that $590 million Powerball drawing, you think, wow, that's an incredible amount of money. And it is. People dream about those things, but the question for a Christian is, are you pursuing those things? And are those things are what Christianity is all about, or is there much more to it? And, and Jonathan, you know, as, as we go through this, we want to go back to the Old Testament for a little bit, and this segment especially, because um, there's a scripture in Malachi that basically says, when you don't tithe, you rob God. Okay. okay. And All we're going right. to go to the context of that scripture because a lot of preachers use that and they hold it over your head and say, "Are you going to rob God?" Because that's what, and they're and they're reading from the book. Whoa. And so we have to understand. Okay, who's this talking to, and what's it talking about? It's shocking when you when you hear that. But let's before we do that, um, let's go to uh, another soundbite from the from a, I'll say it, a money hungry prosperity preacher, uh, and again. Take it, get a sense of the emotionalism here. Listen. God said, I don't need anything that you lost to bless you. I don't need anything that you lost to bless you. God will always use whatever you got left. The, the, the blessing isn't in what you lost. The blessing is in what you got left. And if you will sow what you got left, God said, I'll give you back whatever it was. Oh, my God. Slack somebody tell him he's getting ready to come back. Everything you lost, everything you lost, everything that got away from you, everything that slipped away. God said, I'm getting ready to give it back to you. I don't know what authority he goes on. Who, and, and, and Jonathan, and I'm going to be blunt. Who do you think you are saying to the average person who may be struggling through their life, don't worry, you got a little bit left, quote, sow the seed, translation, give me money, and God will give back everything you've lost. How, who do you think you are saying that? What scripture do you claim saying that? I don't get it, and it frosts my cake. It's so sad. 
it, 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 it just doesn't put things into perspective. So let's look at Malachi, folks. If you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255. Yeah, Matt. Matt's looking at me. He's like, take a breath. Hey, I like frosty cake. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Not this cake. Uh, 866-985-4255. Give us a call. Let us know what you think. It's a quite, a quite quite a subject. Malachi, Jonathan, is a very interesting book. It's at the very end of the Old Testament. It's Old Testament. It's prophecy. We're going to take some excerpts from Malachi chapter 1, verses 6 through 10. A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If I am a father, where is the honor due me? If I am a master, where is the respect due me? Says the Lord Almighty. So God is saying, hey, where's my honor and my respect? You're ignoring me. It is you, O priests, who have shown contempt for my name. When you bring blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice crippled or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Oh, that one of you should shut the temple doors so that you would not light uh, useless fires on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty, and I will accept no offering from your hand. So who were the ones that God was upset with here? The the priests, the priesthood, yeah, not the average person, no, the priesthood. Because remember, it was it was delineated that the priesthood had to give the best ten percent. That's right. They're giving blind and lame and diseased animals and, on the altar, and God is saying, just shut the doors of the temple because you are not following the law, the physical law that I gave you. So this doesn't count. All any of these right, sacrifices right, are, right. are useless because they were worthless. keeping the best for themselves. They were self-centered, not God-centered. But who was being yelled at? It was the average person. It was the priest. So if, if, if you folks, if you want to take these Malachi scriptures and you want to apply them, well, let's apply them to who God is talking to, the priesthood, the ones that are doing the preaching, okay? Okay. Let, let's just put that out on the table for now. Interesting. Let's, so there may be a parallel with Christian priests and ministers I, robbing so congregations? We'll, uh, uh, well, okay. we'll get there. Don't, don't, our, don't our rush right. me. <laughs> let's go back to this woman talking about how she's beginning to realize how the prosperity gospel ruined her life. This is what I call, this, this, this soundbite I call God's smackdown because she really begins to understand what's real. We still had this void and we felt that we were just, we felt such a disconnect from Jesus the more and more that we pursued all of these things. And till one day, I think God just smacked both of us and, and it was then, it was a, a certain day, we had been on the phone arguing for hours. And at that moment, both of us said to ourselves, we are not in God's will. We're just going to forget all of this stuff about prosperity and trying to find wealth and possessions. And we're just going to get back to seeking God and, and find out what God really wants from us. Profound. Yeah. Profound. She realized that this was not working and life was becoming more and more tense and they were fear-filled and they're arguing and, and it's all about money. They're disconnected with Jesus right. now. Right, and that's what she says. And there's this massive disconnect. The thing, the very thing that we sought after is the very thing that we were running away from. So they decided, okay, that's it. Let's get out of that disconnect. We are not in God's will. Let's forget wealth and get back to seeking God. How profound that is personal experience from the heart isn't that that's what god seeks so and and and, and you know it, it, it's interesting because just a quick sidelight before we get back to the malachi scriptures uh you, you look at jesus when he was on the scene on the earth and you see people did he did ask them to leave everything and follow him yes i mean and they, they literally did mm -hmm. after jesus ascends 
people are not necessarily leaving everything behind anymore. They are uh, taking care of their houses and homes and their businesses and they're doing what they're supposed to do, but they are working their Christianity in the context of that. Yes. And we are instructed to support our families faithfully. Or we're worse than an unbeliever. Right, right. So it's a little bit different when Jesus was right there on the scene because you had the Messiah right in front of your face. You could reach out and touch him versus you had the apostles who were saying, do the things you're supposed to do, be a good citizen, if you will, and now focus on being a citizen of heaven and have yes. your allegiance to heaven. Yes. And being in, having your allegiance to heaven has nothing to do with accumulating wealth. It doesn't say give up your job. So when you say, "Well, I should be following Jesus," I should be, I should be, I, I, you know, I, I should, I should give up all of those things. Look, you can still serve Christ and work a job. Do you work? Yes. For for money. Yes. No, you don't do this for money. No. Neither do I. Okay. I have a job. Yes. You have a job. Uh, yes. We work to support ourselves, and we're given a tremendously blessed opportunity to talk about the gospel with Absolutely. you. Absolutely. It can be done. It's just a matter of putting priorities into your life. That's the key. That's what Jesus is focusing us on. Now, let's get back to Malachi and see who God is mad at. Because God is pretty mad in the book of Malachi. Oh, he is at the priesthood. Okay. Here's God's anger toward the priesthood. Malachi 2. And again, we're going to read just certain verses. 2, 1 to 4. And now this admonition is for you, O priest. Again, the priesthood specifically. If you do not listen, and if you do not set your heart to honor my name, says the Lord Almighty, I will send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Yes, I have already cursed them because you have not set your heart to honor me. Because of you, I will rebuke your descendants. And you will know that I have set you this admonition so that my covenant with Levi may continue, says the Lord Almighty. So now it's not just you are in trouble, but your descendants are going to be in trouble. Oh my. Because you are not following after what the Jewish law said you should do. Your heart is not in it. You're trying to do things to your own advantage. And, I, and God is saying to them, I will have no part of that. So this is serious, but it's to the priesthood in the Old Testament. Right. All right. Malachi 2, 7-8. For the lips of a priest ought to preserve knowledge, and from his mouth men should seek instruction, because he is the messenger of the Lord Almighty. All right, now stop right there, because we're talking about the prosperity gospel, and the question is, folks, as you listen to the prosperity gospel, is that out of the lips of those preachers that are preaching this prosperity gospel, are they giving instructions as a messenger of the Lord Almighty, or are they giving instructions as messengers of accumulation, of prosperity, of me first, me first, me first? Who are they speaking for? That's the question we have to ask ourselves here. Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And the conversation continues online at ChristianQuestions.com. Contact us there with your questions and comments. Also, interact with us on our Facebook and our blog. And, and you can also email us at Rick, R-A-C-K, at ChristianQuestions.net. Uh, and th- it's so much fun to, to, to hear from you all, whether it be on the, the blog or Facebook or the email or, uh, just, or Twitter. just leaving comments on the, on the website and questions because it gives us a sense of wh- what you're thinking about and what's important to you. And we try to really, really hard to be focused on the kinds of things you're looking for. For instance, I got an email from a listener that said, you know what, I worry a lot and my wife worries a lot. Could you do a program on worry? And I thought, you know what? That's, That's a, a great, great 
It is. Great so, subject. coming up soon to a Christian Questions program now, <laughs> near you. So what are you worried about? That's, that's going to be our, our, our question. But again, those are what drive us to try to, 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 to serve the gospel in a way that, that can be impactful to you. So, back to Malachi. Who's doing the robbing there? Because this is the one about, okay, you're robbing God. Now, let's listen carefully to who's robbing God in this scripture. Malachi 3, 8 to 10. Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. Who? Who's you? <laughs> the priesthood. The priesthood. The priesthood. The priesthood. By the way, it's the priesthood. Yeah, that's right. That's robbing God. Not the average person. But you say, how have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings? You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me with the whole nation of you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, so that there may be food in my house. And test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. So the priesthood was leading the robbing of God. That's they were because they were misusing the tithing process. And God is saying, "Okay, bring the abundance of the tithe into my storehouse." Now, now the Christian Church talks about the storehouses is the church, right? But this this is um, the Old Testament. Right, right. So the question is, here's the big question, folks. If tithing is a Christian principle that we should abide by, you tell me where the Christian storehouses were in, at the writing of the New Testament. There weren't any. And that's the point. Because when you say, bring, it, bring, it, bring the, the, the seed that you sow into the storehouse, what they're saying is, bring your money to the church. The problem with that... A, it's talking about money. B, it's talking about Old Testament versus New Testament. And C, the church has nothing to do with a building. It has nothing to do with a structure. It has nothing to do with a foundation or a piece of property. It has nothing to do with real estate. The church in the New Testament is what? Individuals it's serving God. the people. So there is no storehouse to bring the tithe. If you are focusing on the New Testament, you have to see that. Let's look at a few scriptures that support that. Acts twenty twenty eight. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock, which the Holy Spirit hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. To feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. If that's not talking about the individuals who have come to follow Christ, I don't know what is. Uh, the next scripture, Romans sixteen five. Likewise, greet the church. That is in their house. Now, see, this is this is fascinating. Salute my well beloved. Uh, oh boy, Apenatius, who is the first fruits of Achaia unto Christ. Likewise, it said, greet the church that, that is in their house. So greet the Christians. They are the church that meet in their house. Yes. So that's the church. So if you, for a second, even consider the idea of Having money go to a church building to fulfill a, a biblical uh, command, you're, you're way off. You're just way off on what the principles of Christianity are versus the principles of the Old Law Testament, Old Law Covenant are. Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll free 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. Understand the Old Testament, the Law Covenant worked in a very physical manner. You had the tithes, and they were coming, came from the land, the promised land. That's what the tithes were supposed to come from. They were never money. They went to the priesthood who had nothing 
because they were not given an inheritance in the land. They were there to support the people spiritually. So there, the reason for the tithes was to keep their economic system flowing in a spiritual sense. Hey, I was thinking of Cain and Abel. Remember, uh, Cain gave the offering of the grains and the fruit from, right, from right. the ground? And God said... He rejected it. Right. But here... This is what is offered in the time, right. and, which and, is interesting. And, and the, the difference is that Cain and Abel, sin had just entered. Right. So sacrifice was required in that particular, in, in that particular instance. Here, it is taking the gift of the, of the land and giving back to God first. That's the difference. And again, when we look at tithes and we say it's dollars and cents, no, it isn't. It never has been. You find a scripture that says it is, it's not in the Bible. I don't know what book you're looking at, but it's not going to be in the scriptures. We have to see tithing for what it is, and that is not a Christian principle. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick, and our subject this morning, Is the Gospel Your Ticket to Wealth? Coming up, is money tied to Christian commitment? What about the Spirit? What's important? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Is the Gospel Your Ticket to Wealth? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now on our website, ChristianQuestions.com. So is money tied to Christian commitment and contentment? That's the question. That's what we want to get into. Is money a big part of that? And Jonathan, let's start with Galatians five eighteen to 21. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Okay, there you have it right there. That tells you that the law doesn't apply to you anymore. So stop trying to fulfill the Jewish law, the physical Jewish law, in a spiritual sense. Okay, sorry. Continue? <laughs> yes, yes, go ahead. Now, the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and other things like these, of which I forewarned you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. How come no lack of tithing is mentioned in that? Oh, there's a question. Seriously, if it's such a big deal, if it's the key point, if sowing the seed is the key point that unlocks blessings... It should be listed It should absolutely be at the top of the list. And why do we say it's the key point? Because the preachers tell us it's the key point. Interesting. We're going to go to Mr. Creflo Dollar one more time here. Uh, And I really want... And this is not a great recording, so I apologize for that. But pay close attention to how he frames the concept of tithing. Because he is making a very very plain and bold statement about the role that tithing plays for the average Christian in the relationship to God. God is not permitted. Heaven does not have permission. Your seed is the permit that gives heaven the go-ahead to bring increase in your life. If seed is not sown, heaven is not permitted to bring increase. These are simple principles that people seem to get stuck on in the middle of a hard time. What you should know is, if I'm stuck in something, I got to sow something. Something's got to be sown. 
If you're dealing with deficits and things as this ministry has, we've got to sow seeds. Okay. So what he's saying is your seed, your money, let's translate, is the permit that gives heaven the uh, go-ahead to bring increase in your life. He said, he said, God is not permitted to bless you unless you give money. That's the translation. Whoa. That's what he said. He is an insult to Christianity, to the gospel. That is an insult to the... I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm trying to be tactful, but I've had enough. I, you, can't, you can't take that kind of language lightly. That is not ever at all what the gospel is about. And he brings out, even in hard times. Well, in hard times, then you have nothing to give, but you have to give anyway. Right, right. And he says, you know, people get stuck. When they get stuck, they just got to realize they got to go sow. How about pray? How about, how about work hard? How about, how about seek God's will? How about doing all those things of humility and contentment yes. that the scriptures actually teach us to do? Right. So, folks, look, if you are, if you are stuck in this, in this thinking, we urge you to think it through scripturally because it is a mistake. It is a mistake. It is a misrepresentation. It is an insult to the goodness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It truly, truly is. Second Corinthians 9, 6-7. Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he has proposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, but God loves a cheerful giver. So if that's not an anti-tithing scripture, I don't know what is. Each must do as he has purposed in his own hearts. It reminds me of do unto others as you have do, done unto you. And this sowing oh. is not money. It's time. It's effort. It's sacrifice. It's priorities. That's what this is. So if God loves a cheerful giver, the blessing comes from giving cheerfully. And what's the reward here for cheerful giving? Is it abundance? Is it houses? Is it properties? Is it servants? Is it? It's God's love. It's, it's God's love. That's the reward. Yeah. And that for a Christian... Is, is all is, you need. Is, that's it. Everything <laughs> everything we need. Matter of fact, let's go to the last soundbite from this wo- a woman with her husband. The prosperity gospel ruined my life. And see how they came to their senses and where they are now in relation to where they started out with uh, as they were you know, looking to accumulate wealth. So let's go to this next soundbite. If I never own a man Way out on the hill we started reading the word more. Um, we started asking God to fill us with His Holy Spirit more. And for the first time, I, we started thinking to ourselves, what does it mean to be satisfied in Jesus alone? If the ultimate thing that we're supposed to be doing is to bring glory to God, how more is it that you can bring glory to God than to denounce Everything that seems valuable to you and say, you know what, Jesus is more valuable to me than pursuing money and wealth. And he is only he is my only source of joy. Wow. And that's profound from where, where she started. Remember in the first hour, she was like, OK, we went to church and they said God wants you to be wealthy. He wants to bless you. God does want to bless you, but not with stuff. That's not a blessing. In a lot of ways, Jonathan, stuff is a curse. You're right. Remember the rich young ruler? Yes. Stuff was a curse to him. 
God wants to bless you with, with, with his spirit, with his holiness, with follow, following in the footsteps of Christ. And her, her reaction was, what does it, her, the question is, what does it mean to be satisfied in Jesus alone? What a powerful, focused question that is. And she came to the conclusion, Jesus is more valuable to me than pursuing wealth. He's a source of my joy. And that is what Christian contentment is all about. It, it, it's about putting things in perspective. And even in the words of Job, now it's Old Testament, but though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Yes. And, and it, it's, it's about putting the, the trials and tribulations of our life, not complaining about them, but think it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Not as though some strange thing happened to you, but know this. That is the will of God working out in you growth. I'm paraphrasing. Sure. Spiritual, spiritual growth. It reminds me of Revelation chapter 3 about uh, the, the church being lukewarm yes. um, at the end of the gospel. But they're wealthy. They have everything. They don't need right. anything else. Right, right. It's in, and their, A distraction. Their problem was that they had too much stuff. Yes. And that made them lose their spirituality. Exactly. And, and that's what we see happening. It, and, and, it's, and it's a rampant, rampant uh, plague. That that uh, that is over so much of Christianity, and again, folks, the prosperity gospel, the idea that you know God wants you to have houses and lands and all of those things, that's not the will of God for a Christian. It's not. How do we know? Because the scriptures tell us it. And and if you are following that, you are not following the will of God. It's just really that simple. First Timothy six three to twelve, folks. If you have a thought, now would be the time. Eight six six nine eight five four two five five. Toll free eight six six nine eight five four. All we're live Sunday mornings from seven to nine, and that means we're on right now. If anyone advocates a different doctrine and does not agree with sound words, those of our Lord Jesus Christ, and with the doctrine conforming to godliness, he is conceited and understands nothing. But he has a morbid interest in controversies, questions, disputes about words out of which arise envy, strife, abusive language, evil suspicions, and constant friction between men and deprived mind and deprived of the truth who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. So here you have it. You are deprived of the truth if you suppose that godliness is a means of gain. Whoa, they should read this scripture. (laughs) Oh, this is... Now look, this is unbelievable. It doesn't mean it does not mean that a Christian can't have wealth. It doesn't mean that a Christian can't work hard and do the things and, and accumulate wealth. That's not what this is saying. But what it is saying, and to quote Jesus, "How hardly shall a rich man enter the kingdom?" Mm. And it doesn't say he can't enter the kingdom. That's right. But the principle is that if you have a lot of things, that's where your attachment is. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if your treasure is on earth, guess where your heart is? On earth, on things. And if your treasure is on earth and on things, and where's the inheritance for Christians? In heaven. You can't have both. You can't have both. It just simply does not work. It's a mathematical equation that does not fit the, the context of, of Christianity. So let, let's continue with this. Verse, this, is, this is powerful stuff. So th- supposing that godliness is a means of gain. Let's continue in First Timothy. But godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. Ah, so now it puts the great gain in the context of being content. For we have brought nothing into the world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. If we have food and covering, and these we should be with these we should be content. So, okay, then what is the gain it's talking about? If it's saying that, look, if you've got food and clothing, you should be happy. It's the you, peace of God. You should it's, be... 
the love of the the Lord and the Spirit and the truth and the good news. It's it's Christ-like qualities. So that's what the great gain is. Yes. It's not stuff. It's just not stuff. And we know that it's not stuff because, first of all, the Scripture already told us. Right. A few times. Oh, yeah. And if that's not enough, it's about to tell us again. <laughs> okay. Okay, verse 9. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction for the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs so if you are if you win the lottery be careful well yeah i <laughs> can you one? even imagine winning all of that money what a responsibility that would be most people who win the lottery first of all end up broke several years later that's right because it's not something they earned it's something they were given it was a, it was a free gift and now you can throw all caution to the win you can do whatever you want and then you run out of money because you don't manage it properly right what this is saying is if you want to get rich you fall in temptation because the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil things now it's not it's not saying money is the root of all evil no because you do need money to do things that's right that's why we work for a living you need money to do things look you know doing many things that we do to serve god need money Sure. You just have to have the financial support behind them. But it doesn't mean you say, okay, by doing this, not only can we serve God, but boy, I can make something on the side and look at how wealthy I can be. And God would want me to be wealthy because I'm representing him. And this is a good thing. And, and you, you get caught up in it. And that's exactly what this scripture, First Timothy chapter 6, verses 3 to 12, that's what it's saying. For the faith... Um, I'm sorry, love of, money is, uh, love of money is the root of all sorts of evil, and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. That woman that we were listening to throughout the whole program. Oh, they were hurting. And they came back from it. And that's the key. That's the important thing. <clears throat> the evidence, folks, has become undeniable against seeking earthly gain under the umbrella of Christianity. Don't try to do this. Don't do it. Undeniable as that is, uh, if we take the te- New Testament in its proper context. So let's finish up with First Timothy chapter 6, verses 11 and 12. But flee from these things. Okay, run away from them. You man of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Those are the great gain that we were talking about. Fight They're the listed good fight here. of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you are called. And you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. That is what the prosperity of the gospel is. So if you are confused about the prosperity gospel, look up 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 3 to 12, print it out, put it on your wall, put it on your refrigerator, underline it, highlight it, and understand what the prosperity in God through Jesus Christ is. It is not about stuff. No. It is not about God wants you to bless you with things. It, God wants you to bless you with his spirit, with holiness, with, with contentment, with giving to one another, with being like Jesus. Yes. Jesus was not about getting anything. Jesus was only about giving everything. That, my friends, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't get caught up in the gospel of prosperity. It is the wrong way. It is an insult to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Habakkuk tells us, Though the fig tree shall not blossom, though there be no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olive should fail and the fields produce no food, though the flock should be cut off from the fold and there be no cattle in the stalls, yet I will exult in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. Let that be your prosperity. For Jonathan and Rick, it's Christian Questions. We'll be back again next week with another subject. But till then, is the gospel your ticket to wealth? 
heavenly wealth. Think about it.